This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. This is your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside, well, nobody today as I look around my room and see nobody because nobody would be in my room podcasting with me. <laughs> but yes, welcome back, guys, to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm super glad to be here and talking again with you guys. I know Talking Halos in general has been off and on. I promise now, you know, it's going to be coming a little bit more. We're in December now. Hope everybody had a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. And I know we have baseball in the, I guess, relatively near future, but we're going to have a lot of free agent stuff. Trades go down. Angels have the new GM. I know we talked about in the last podcast and, you know, it's, you know, it's just been a little bit different. I think that's going to kind of how it's going to be rolling forward here. But I personally would love to try to get out more and more podcasts for you guys to listen to and keep your mind off whatever, you know, the world's throwing at you right now. So, guys, just a heads up here. Personally, Derek usually does all of the editing and all that fun stuff. And that's why it sounds so amazing because Derek does it. This is going to be my first time really editing and kind of, in a sense, I guess, doing, doing this podcast by myself. You know, so it's uh, going to be a little bit different. Um, I hope it comes out good. If it doesn't, at me on Twitter, Jared underscore Tim's. Tell me that it sucks really bad, and I promise I will make this sound as best as I can as we can get going forward, and Derek will probably have all these pins throw at me, and I will take them and run with them. But, yes, this is kind of where we're going to be at. I have a kind of a cool little podcast, I guess, today that I, in a sense, recorded back when you know, this whole shutdown pandemic thing really started. So if it sounds a little, I guess, weird or, you know, backtracked a little bit, it's because I did this when, I guess, I think it was in May when I talked to my interviewee today, who is Angels minor leaguer, Tyler Smith. And I had a great conversation with him um, about just kind of his, you know, repertoire, what he brings 
to the table. I know, you know, a lot of times we don't get to hear too much about Angels minor leaguers and, you know, people like myself. And if I want to throw a couple out there, Taylor Ward, Taylor Blake Ward, and so many others do a great job with trying to bring you guys a little bit of what the minor leagues has in store for you guys. And, you know, that's why we love to do it and that's what we love to do. So without further ado, here is that interview with Tyler Smith. All right, guys, I am here with Angels eighth round pick from 2018, Tyler Smith. Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing all right, doing all right, just trying to stay sane. Exactly. It's what everybody's doing right now, you know. So you know, it's it's a exactly. it's an interesting time, you know. But uh, you know, as long as everybody's staying safe, you know, it, it's a good thing. Um, where are you calling from, first off? Because I actually I didn't ask you that before. <laughs> uh, I'm actually down in Florida, so my dad and uh, stepmom have a place down here in Clearwater. And I, whenever we found out that we were all going home, this is where I came to. Awesome. Well, it's good staying safe, getting some nice uh, baseball weather down there. I mean, I'm getting baseball weather up here in California right now. It's like the 90s. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, got a couple questions for you here. The first one, I, I always, you know, this is a dream, I think, of everybody's. You were drafted in the eighth round in 2018. What was that day like for you? It was, it was honest to God, it was the most surreal day feeling, like everything that, that, that I've, I've ever had to go through you know like I've won I've won championships in college like championships growing up and like everybody always says like <clears throat> your like your favorite moments are like in championships with the boys and everything but like I was I was fortunate enough and I was blessed enough to, to have this opportunity and and to be honest with you it was with a team that I didn't think I was in the running to be drafted by um so everything about it was just, it was a whirlwind, it was a surprise, and it was it was the greatest day of my life. And that, that, that's that's really awesome, man. You know, it's it's a long process. Those it's a three day process, obviously. Those and it's it's actually a lifelong process for a lot of guys. But were you expected to be drafted that day or anything, or was it just like you know the phone call came and it was like out of nowhere? I was actually expecting to go day three. Uh, so I've been I've been in contact with a guy from the athletics and thing that I, I had heard, well, yeah, like, we're looking at you, it's probably going to be day three, like, we're not 100% sure around, so it'll probably be, like, 15 to 20, but, like, day three, if you're on the board, like, we're snagging you. So that was kind of my, my assumption, and we had gone, I had my whole family up, and I was still in Buffalo, we had just finished, we had just lost in regionals, so we had just got back to Buffalo, and I had stayed there uh, just through the draft and everything, and a couple buddies of mine stayed there. <clears throat> we were all kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden, day two, I get a phone call, and I was like, why am I getting a phone call today? This is not supposed to happen. Um, and then one thing led to another, and they are basically like, hey, like we got pick 241. Like, you want to be Halo? <laughs> I was like, absolutely, like. Uh, like I said, the opportunity came as a surprise to me, so it was the timing of it was incredible. And that's that's so cool. It's it's hard for me not to be a fan when I when I hear this stuff, and it, it's great to hear that it's great to hear these stories. So man, that that's super awesome. Congratulations on that. I know it's been you know two years and everything, but that's awesome. Yeah. You, you talked about your college career and you know bringing it over into your professional career. Now you've thrown 88 innings. You have a 26.9 strikeout percentage and a 3.75 FIP. I know that. 
stats don't mean a whole lot in the minor leagues and in hindsight and everything like that. But what has been your success? Like, what's what's been the key to your success with with all this? Uh, I don't want to give up too much, but uh, <laughs> pitching off my slider, pitching off my curveball, my slider. Like, I I'm I'm humble enough, I'm smart enough to know that like my fastball didn't get me drafted. You know, like I'm a 90 to 94 guy. I'm not overpowering by any stretch of the imagination, but but my my curveball, my slider, were what got me drafted, and my ability to to pitch off of those and to make my other pitches look better because of it are are the reason that I've had a little bit of success in in minor leagues and, and hoping to go forward with it. Yeah, you know, you've had a lot of good success, and I mean, I'm not the expert by any means, but I really love what you've done um, stat-wise, you know, a lot of strikeouts, and it's it's super interesting to hear that, you know, you're not an overpowering pitcher because, you know, you look at your strikeout percentage, how many strikeouts you had, even going back into your college career, you know, it you've had, a, you've gotten a lot of strikeouts, and it's, you know, kind of cool to see that you don't need the high 90s you know, stuff to get that amount of strikeouts. So mm-hmm. that, that's really good to hear that. I know you just said you don't want to, you know, get into, you know, your secrets too much or anything like that. <laughs> but <laughs> what does your arsenal look like? You know, I mean, as a minor leaguer, we don't hear too much about, you know, what you what you guys get to work with. So what does your arsenal look like? Uh, I throw a four-seam fastball, circle change up, and then I have a curveball and slider. Nice. So just the normal, you know, nothing nothing crazy there, you know. <laughs> You're not throwing a knuckleball yeah, or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, that's that's good. You know, you don't. You know, it, it's hard to control all four pitches. I mean, I pitched college baseball. I'm a college coach now, and it's it's hard to get all four of those and control them well. So that, that's a that's a cool thing to hear. Yeah. Um, and on to that with kind of carrying that question over. Are you big into you know pitch design or like the advanced thinking of you know everything that's been going on with pitching? I mean, it's it's evolved so much just in the last five years or so. Sure, sure. I I'm a huge believer in. If you can throw, you can throw. You know, if you can get outs, you can get outs. And it, the numbers speak a lot, but your ability to get outs speaks louder than anything in the world. With that being said, I take the, the numerical aspect of it into consideration in just about every bullpen that I throw during the offseason. Like, I have Rapsodos. I have, I, I think they're called Diamond Kinetics. I... I use those baseballs, like anything that I can get to get some numbers <clears throat> to, to kind of help me move forward and to see what's my spin rate, what's my spin access, and, and all of that stuff, it goes into basically making your arsenal more effective than it could be or it should be. You know, because like I said, like, I'm not, a, I'm not an overpowering pitcher. I, I don't have a 99 mile hour fastball. God knows I wish I did, but I don't. So I have to make sure that my fastball at 92 miles an hour is deceptive and that I can pitch off of it or pitch with it. And I have a very granky like change-up. Like my change-up, if it's under 85 miles an hour, like it's a really slow day for it. I, I, I typically throw my change-up between 86 and 90 miles an hour. It's basically like a two, like a tinker. Um, so, so I use all those numbers, not necessarily to pitch design as much, solely because I don't have the, the camera technology like on hand to do it. But I use those numbers to just kind of see where I am from a deceptiveness standpoint. 
Yeah, you know, that's that's super interesting that you bring all that up, and I like I'm a huge believer in this. Like my school right now that I'm coaching at, they bought me Rapsodo to use basically, and I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's a great coaching tool, and yeah, it's incredible. It, it, it is, and it's crazy how far baseball has advanced in the past. Like I just said, five years or so that you know we used to not see anybody yeah. with cameras or anything, and now I'm personally out on the field with an iPad walking around talking to our coaches like hey look at this look at this and it's it's so yeah. crazy to see that it's it's so cool you know yeah so yeah you know yeah, and I know like even at our college like our college just got rap soto and it was like we're a mid-major like we're not a super highly funded team but the fact that they were able to spend money and get a rap soto to to help physically advance advanced pitchers and to bolster what they have and make them better is incredible. And the fact that like that technology is accessible to anybody that wants to fork over a little bit of money to to help better themselves is is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's great to see all that. And then just I think kind of one of my last questions I have for you here. How do the Angels in general use Rapsodo, you know, Edtronic cameras and resources like that to help you guys or you personally out? you know, uh, when you're in spring training or in the minors and such like that. I know I, when I go out to Inland Empire, I see, I watch bullpens all the time and you guys are using, you know, the cameras and all that fun stuff. But how, how does it personally, you know, help you during the season? Like during the season, it, it really helps me just from a day-to-day standpoint. Like as a reliever, I don't get on the Edgertronic and I don't get on the Rapsodo as much. However, when I ask for it, it's there. And any bullpen that we throw, for the most part, we're going to have at least a rap soto out for it, just to see our numbers. And, and, and from a season standpoint, it just helps me to see kind of where I am during the season. So, like, on a game, like, on game 100, how's my spin rate <clears throat> and where's my spin axis compared to game 6? You know, like just from the from the general fatigue standpoint of because we play off games, right? And and as back end guys, like we don't get as used used as much as starters, obviously. But our like our arms take the same toll because we're used to throwing two, three innings at a time every third day, every second day, rather than throwing five to eight and then we get a break. <clears throat> so just to see from an arm health standpoint, not even health standpoint, but just from a general fatigue standpoint, like are my numbers still consistent with what they were at the beginning of the season? And if they're not, how do I go about getting them there? Uh, From a spring training standpoint, from like a very, very beginning of the season standpoint, we use it a lot in not necessarily pitch development for myself. Um, I think my pitches are developed enough but I think it's more of honing them in so for example like my fastball I typically throw it around a one o'clock axis which for me I have a high spin rate but I have a relatively low spin efficiency because of the fact that I cut it a little bit so I may throw my fastball at 2700 rpm but because I only have a 75% 75% spin efficiency it doesn't make a whole lot of difference like my spin rate is kind of irrelevant because it's not super efficient whereas if you look at a guy like 
one of my good friends in the organization, Luke Lynn. Like, Luke Lynn doesn't spin the ball as well as me, but his spin efficiency may as well be 110%. And his ball, like, I remember playing catch with him one day, and it almost hit me in the face because it, I thought it was going to hit me in the chest. And those are the guys that <clears throat> have super deceptive fastballs, you know? Like, they may not throw it 100 miles an hour, but by golly, it looks like it's 100 miles an hour because it literally... I was talking to him one day, and I was like, your ball literally looked like it was going to hit the ground, and it almost hit me in the knees. Like, that's kind of what I aim for. You know, I, I, I aim for, especially in spring training, when we have all of that information at our hand, to try and get my fastball, get my fingers behind my fastball more, rather than out on the side of it a little bit. And from a from an off-speed standpoint, like I said, like my changeup is kind of an anomaly pitch. Um, so there's not a whole lot that I do in respect to <clears throat> trying to fix it per se. I think it's one of those things that like it's kind of broken, but it works, so I'm not going to touch it. But for my curveball, my slider, like <clears throat> my slider is kind of a gyroscope slider. So what that means is is the axis that it spins on, it shouldn't move, but it does, and it's one of those things that <clears throat> me and especially like. Wurtzy, Mike Wurtz, have gone back and forth with is do I try and develop my slider to be more of a traditional slider to have the little red dot and a super tight axis on it or do I continue throwing the slider that I have that gets swings and misses and gets outs but is kind of an ugly pitch if that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so from that standpoint and, and especially with my curveball because I have a I have more of a slurvy curve, so my, my, my curveball and my slider tend to blend together a little bit. Um, but I like throwing them because in my head, I tell myself that I throw a 12-6 curveball. You know, <clears throat> like, I know I don't, and I know it's a super slurvy curveball, but if I tell myself that it's a 12-6, it helps me get on top of the pitch a little more, and it helps me throw it to lefties especially a little bit more because it, I, I tell myself that I get I need to get on top of it so much to try and create this 12-6 that I don't have. Um, but like I said, the Edertronic and, and the Rapsodo information that we have really helps me see exactly what my spin axis is and what my rates are and, and the effectiveness or the efficiency of, of the spin and all that stuff. So from that standpoint, like spring training is huge on basically pitch development and cleaning up our pitches, especially as a kid from Pennsylvania. Like, <clears throat> when I go home for the off-season, like, it's February, late February when I'm going out to Arizona, and, like, if I've had an opportunity to get off a mound outside, like, I, I don't think this is going to be – this would have been my second spring training, and I haven't had the opportunity to get outside on a mound before spring training, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> it helps me – especially in the pitcher's catcher, pitcher catcher report to kind of dial everything in before I start facing hitters again. Yeah, you know, I mean, all those things are, I mean, all the resources that you can take from that is, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. And you said you're coming exactly. from, yeah, you're coming from Pennsylvania and everything like that, um, the North especially, it's tough. You know, you're not in SoCal like I am where we get to play year round and, exactly. you know, it, that's a very, it's a very tough thing to do. And it's, it's super interesting that you bring that up. I kind of wanted to bring, bring it back a hair. And you were talking about your fastball being a high spin rate fastball, yet you cut it a little bit as well. 
where do you like to throw that pitch? Do you, I mean, do you like to throw it up in the zone, down in the zone? I mean, do you just kind of let it go and see, you know, hey, wherever it goes, it's going to go? So for my fastball, like I said, I have a higher spin rate, but I have a low efficiency. So for me, even though I spin it really well, I need to keep it down a bit. Um, so, like, for me, my fastball is more effective lower in the zone, especially for the fact that I'll work a slider and a changeup off of it to most guys. Um, whereas a guy that has super high spin efficiency, like a ball that literally looks like it jumps, like a, like a rise ball almost, they, they strive off the, off the top of the zone. <clears throat> so, like, I'll throw it back to Luke again. Like, Luke has a super efficient fastball, so his vertical rise, his horizontal axis is unbelievable. So, for him, like, <clears throat> belly button up is where he wants to be in the zone that's where he's the most effective and that's where he's going to get the most out. For me, like I said, because it's not super efficient, I still have to work low. And especially because I like to work the slider off of it. The fact that I work it low helps me out a little bit because it helps my slider become more deceptive. And the fact that I'll work my slider off it makes my fastball work a little better. So they kind of go hand in hand like that. Are you big into pitch mirroring with those pitches? Spin mirroring, I guess, in a sense. Um, I, I'm not, but I think the reason that I'm not is because I'm I, I'm not educated on it as much as I am other stuff. If that makes sense. So, like, I'm a firm believer that any information that you have and any analytics is good analytics and good information. But in the same sense, like, if you don't know what you're looking at, <clears throat> it's not going to help you. So that's one of those things that I haven't looked into as much. So I don't, like, it would almost be I know enough to get myself in trouble kind of thing. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you can do too much, you know. I, that, that, I, I totally understand that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, last thing I got for you here that I got from all that, um, you talked about kind of, like, abnormalities and such like that. Is that a big thing for you? Like, if you can be a different pitcher than everybody else, is that a key to success almost for you? 100%. 100%. And that's that's one of the things that I kind of look into. Like I do lessons during the off season back home. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do lessons to, with younger guys. And I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge believer in like creating a cookie cutter picture. You know what I mean? Like if a guy is more comfortable throwing from the side, like throwing from a sidearm slot, I want him to throw from a sidearm slot. If he's more comfortable from throwing from a straight over top, like bring it from the sky, like then do it. Um, Solely because, like, if you become a cookie cutter pitcher from a three quarter slot and you have a fastball curveball as your arsenal, like, you're only going to be effective if you have exceptional pitches. You know, whereas if you're funky, you can get away with a little bit of stuff. I don't know. <clears throat> like, if you look at how many, like, slingers there are, like, full blown sidearm slingers there are, like, a lot of them are really effective because it's just a different slot. I know when when I was in college, I hit for my first year, and we were playing Delaware, and we faced a submarine guy, like a full-blown, like, knuckle duster, and <clears throat> I'd never seen that before, and he was throwing, like, 85 miles an hour with an average slider, but because I'd never seen a ball come from, like, an ankle slot, <laughs> like, it was hard to hit off of, and I know, like, like I said, he may not throw the hardest and he may not have the best stuff, but if you come from a super atypical slot, 
or if you have a super atypical motion, it's going to throw guys off a lot. Yeah, it's super good to hear that because that's one of the first things personally that I learned as a pitching coach was find guys that have the abnormalities. I mean, like myself, I was like 82 to 84 maybe on a good day, but I would throw from all different angles just to like deceive people, and it just it seemed to work sure. for me. So it, it, it's something yeah, that's exactly. that's awesome, and, it, and hopefully it can be taught in so many different levels. And I'm, I'm hoping that it actually gets to the major league level where we start seeing guys that throw like, 80s to you know maybe 90 touching 90s getting drafted or maybe even signing and you know those weird abnormalities make it to the major leagues and we start seeing all these weird pitchers I think that'd be super cool to see <laughs> so. yeah no exactly because like they, they always talk about the hitting slot you know like especially for like a professional hitter like the hitting slot per se is like 86 87 miles an hour to like 95 so if you're in that slot <clears throat> it's easier for them to hit so for example like if I throw 90 and another guy throws 82, but we have the exact same motions. Like, <clears throat> he may be a little more effective because he's under the speed limit, per se, because it's a velocity that you don't really see on a fastball. And that's, I think that's why a lot of guys with, with high velocities and low velocities have a lot of success because it's just, it's just something that you don't really see, you know. Like, <clears throat> as a professional hitter, you see 90-5 every single day now. So it almost becomes routine that a guy throwing 93 is like, oh, like here comes my BP fastball that's in the middle of the zone. Whereas if you get above that speed limit and you're throwing 99-100, you can get away with the middle of the zone. <clears throat> and you'll probably get more swings and misses than the guy throwing 82. But that guy throwing 82, if he misses in the middle of the zone, is going to get more choppers, you know, and a lot more fat balls that are maybe hit hard but beat right into the ground kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for jumping on with me. You know, I'm, I apologize if you're bored at home, <laughs> you know, and, and all that stuff. But stay safe. I appreciate you coming on Talking Halos and talking with us. Good luck this year whenever the season gets going. I know hopefully it's around the corner here, but good luck this year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. You have a good one. <laughs> Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else is history hanging the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30B is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in a mate? Oh, my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30B is still in range. Where else is history still in a mate? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.